Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could never edit that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm Bram Presser, and big thanks to the wonderful Danny V for letting me take over for this one episode. Um, I will be chatting about a book that I really dug with its author, who it just so happens I went to law school with many, many years ago when she was a young whippersnapper and I was, well, already approaching middle age. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about the performance and its author, Claire Thomas. Claire, welcome. And, Thank you for having me, it's great. It's, it's it's great to be to be chatting. Um, it's been well. It's kind of weird because it's sort of been a while, but then we our, our paths keep crossing in strange yes. ways over the years. Um, now, firstly, congratulations on this book. Um, the performance seems to be the book of the moment. It's everywhere. Uh, you cannot you cannot escape it. it. Cannot escape you, which is a oh wonderful thing as an author. I think. Um, oh how, how's the experience been for you? Uh it's hard to gauge whether it's as intense as it seems. Um, it is. It's certainly, okay, oh, gosh. <laughs> um, look, it's been pretty amazing. Just the amount of input has been exhausting but in the best possible way. It's sort of what you dream of as an author, that you get noticed and you get noticed so um I don't know, significantly. Kind of thoughtfully, yes. I think. Well, the thing for me, it started, um, you know, right at the outset I had this initial profile piece um, in the Saturday paper by Ruby Hamad, which was a really terrific uh, piece of writing by yeah, her. It was great. And after that I was just calm. I thought, well, that's it. Like that's the kind of, that set the, a solid foundation and whatever happens after that that's kind of given me a bit of dignity and, and well, that, 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 and the, that and the bidding war from international publishers over your book but you know. <laughs> um yeah but that doesn't necessarily that's translate true. to yeah. being a priority for your publisher even yeah. not necessarily but so I've had a wonderful time 
with the publishers and um yeah it's been it's been a whirlwind i suppose i see see you're doing things at all like crazy hours and i'm just thinking like you must not be sleeping i'm yeah i'm not great at sleeping at the best of times (laughs) so this hasn't and what happens is that i kind of so it's out it came out in australia first and then it came out in the us uh, about a month after that and then it's out in the uk at the end of this week um and so for months now there's been a lot of you know back and forth admin edit you know all the processes that you have to go through with the different territories and there was a while there where every morning i'd wake up to something from the uk or the us and i or i'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning and i'd think should i check my emails if there's something was it was it a collaborative editing process or was it did you have like a primarily edited in Australia and and that is what went to America and England. Yeah, that I would say there was a a kind of a joint structural edit, but there was a but that was led by Australia, so I didn't get, you know, it was a consolidated document that I got blessedly. Um <laughs> and that wasn't that wasn't too arduous at all. That that was great and then the copy edit was done in Australia, and then that that version of the book was then given to the US and the UK. And the only other thing that happened after that was that the US had to. It was this they were calling it the Americanization, and I was very unsure about what that was going to involve, whether that would be changing every kind of nappy to diaper and yeah. every tap to force it. But it, the, I think the only word that changed in the whole book was interval to intermission, because huh. um, they really felt that interval uh would not just would translate would, yeah. yeah would just um not be as as clear so that was huh. the only word change and all the other sort of little australian idiosyncrasies there was there was one thing that was uh there was a lilo there's a lilo oh, yeah. in there <laughs> and that that was a bit and then i then i said look it's okay further down in that same paragraph i i mentioned something about an inflated mattress so right. join the dots that's fine yeah. um so I've actually had the Lilo argument with Americans, like obviously not in my book, but like yeah. um, just generally in in conversation for some reason. It's just one of those. It is it's, one of the classic Australian words that just. It also lost sounds so good, though. It's a great it's and 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 it's a childhood uh, memory. And so Lilo has just got this kind of you know sing song sound to it. So I, that was the only thing. Um, yeah, but it was more kind of the admin and the the just the. That was the stuff that got that, that got tricky, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a lot in a good way, in a <laughs> good way. That said, though, like it's not it's not like your first time kind of riding high at the literary rodeo. Um, oh. your, so your 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 debut, which uh, Fugitive Glue, which came out in two thousand and eight. Yes, is that, is that I was right? but I was but a child. Well, ser- like seriously, like yeah, you know, mm. and it was long listed for the for for the Miles Franklin. You yeah. won, I think you won the Dobby. I did yeah. win the Dobby yeah. for the first book by so, a rotten woman writer. Yep, which is like I mean, this is amazing, uh, amazing attention for a debut author. What was that well, kind of was that success hard to navigate? Like, uh, like that that wasn't. I mean, I to be honest, that I barely got reviewed. With really? that book, yep. Um, uh, yeah, I won't go into that too much, but it wasn't. <laughs> it was a. It was a. I think what we we can politely call a quiet achiever. 
quite, no, not even, just a quiet publication. Well, well it clearly achieved. That, well, uh, it did, but that was... In a that, critical sense, in a critical sense. Yes, and, I mean, it yes. did fine. Yes. Um, but it was also pre... I mean, there were a few book bloggers, but there was none of this um, yeah. stuff that's so crucial now with, um, you know, the bookstagrammers are incredible. They're, they're, yeah, it's an industry in itself. I they guess. have been a, a force with the performance in a way that's been quite amazing. And, you know, they tag me in everything. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's really lovely, but it means that you're just getting this feedback, <laughs> this yeah. constant feedback from readers in a way that I barely did. You know, with Fugitive Blue, I got a, I did a couple of festivals and, I was always with someone who had a really long queue for the signing and I was the chump with I've been three there. people. I've been there. Yeah. And so, you know, I might have spoken to a handful of readers um, yeah. after the publication of that. So so that that sort of uh, hyper-responsiveness that we now have, if we're lucky, yeah. um, is, is really different. So the first experience is so different to what's happening now, but I'm much better placed as a human to deal with it as well like i'm quite i mean i mean the the obvious kind of question that that i'm sure you get asked a lot at 13 years it's a it's a long time between Mm -hmm. drinks um so like i guess like you didn't do something silly like practice law did you no 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 i didn't even finish (laughs) my law degree brand oh no i i finished i stopped at about Oh, probably I'm just slightly thought, jealous of you right now. <laughs> no, I was very decisive as a young person. So I, I just, I stopped, I think, at about two and a half years because I thought if, really? I, got to, I, if I got to the third year, yeah. I would then feel compelled yeah. to finish Inertia. it because I'd done more of the, the, the majority, you know. Yeah. So, um, and I actually found it, yeah, I, so I was doing arts law. And I yeah. found the art stuff always much more challenging as well, I found. With law, if you actually did the reading and showed up, it was... Yeah, it's not that... Quite hard. a deal. Oh, we like to say that. I feel like we're, we're giving yeah, you like state just, secrets. It's really not that hard. Like, no. and it's not, it's not, And it's also not that, I don't know, intellectually kind of... Rigorous. Know, yes. No, but, but I think it is later on, if once you're doing, uh, perhaps... I, I mean, should I probably know. point out that this is clearly why I did not make a good lawyer and I, and I got away. It, I, well, I, I it didn't the... <laughs> inspire your brain no, in the it, way no, that, was, no. yeah. And the, the same, same as me. So no, I most certainly wasn't um, practicing law. I have done a PhD uh, oh, well, you know. in English and creative writing. And so that, that was something, Yeah, but that I did primarily so I could write. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Lots of things happened in that, time um i mean I, so what, what, what was it then about about this book the performance that 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 brought why why was it this book i, I imagine you probably started a few books along the way no. no see the only other project that i started was uh, sort of a component of my phd yeah um i i couldn't or i i i just didn't allow myself any creative freedom I I was hung up in about a million ways and I had the idea for the performance for a very long time before I actually just got along and did it um and there was a turning point for me so I don't know like all this time even all this time had passed and there was a point where I felt bad that I hadn't done a follow-up to Fuji Blue and then so much time had passed that that no longer mattered no one cared it was like it was going to be a completely different 
you know, re-emergence basically, a new beginning. Um, but so I was still doggedly wanting to do this thing. It's all I wanted to do, but yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't doing it. And I, I was, I convinced myself at one point that I was a, a professional reader, that I'm a really, really good reader. I was working, you know, just, I did a lot of teaching at uni and I was lecturing and I, I'm, and working with other people's writing. And, and I thought, yep, yeah, that's what I can do. And I just lost this idea of myself as a writer for a lot of reasons. But then I applied to do this strange workshop, this masterclass in Denver. And I ended up getting this, yeah, it was very random. And I ended up getting this funding from Melbourne University. And I ended up going to Denver. And I did a week-long thing with Sheila Hetty. And oh, wow. a weekend thing with Leslie Jamison. Right. And they, I was transformed. Honestly, wow. I was like something about that. I think it was partly I would never have done something like that in Australia because I would have been too embarrassed. I would have, I felt like a failure. I wouldn't have shown up. I didn't want to be, I was the one who led the classes in the context. Yeah, right. So I went away. I was unusual. I was like, oh, have you met the Australian? Yeah. And, you know, that was... <laughs> the exotic... Uh... Yeah, yeah, and that's certainly not um, my usual experience. Um, <laughs> and there was also this sense of um, everyone was kind of so sure about their own right to be a writer in a way that blew my mind because... That's not something in Australia, is it? No, really? it's not. No, and also they talk about art and they talk about making art, and you just right. don't speak no. like that here. And I felt like I wasn't, I couldn't, like I wasn't. Um, I wrote like a handful of short stories, and I they didn't even get. I'd send them places, and they just disappeared into the ether. Yeah, and then I thought I can't get. I'm not in this scene. I don't know. I just don't know where I am in Australia, and being in this different place for a while just flicked a switch and it made me realise all you have is your own, you know, personal subjectivity and you can grapple with it and do what you can with it and um, interrogate it and um, use it or you can just not make art. And so I decided, well, I really want to. So that's what I did. And so I had, um, and I came home and I wrote this book and it was just this release of all, you know, I just let myself do it. And so things like I would go to a party or something and um, someone would say, oh, Claire Thomas, you know, this is Claire, she's a writer. I'm like, no, I'm not a writer. You know, yeah. that's what I used to do for, for yeah. a long time. I would just that die. Impo- I think it's an Australia, like another Australian thing, like that imposter um, syndrome yeah. amongst writers. Like we all feel like we're we're sort yep. of you know we, we've done some writing, but we're not we're not writers. No, it's and not, was, it's not a, an identity kind of. And it was, we, a, hmm. yeah. I don't know. Like it's it's yes. There's a. I used to think self-deprecation was charming, and and you know now I'm like no, like I'm just not going to do that. Any- I'm 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 going to be confident and it's it's interesting because i'm actually like you know you know i i, I follow in social media and I, and, and and it's <laughs> like it's it's like clear and it's 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 refreshing from uh australian writers to see someone who's actually just backing themselves well i i've had enough i i the, the, the amount of self-loathing that 
I experienced and the amount of, you know, how, how debilitating and useless and unproductive that was for such mm. a long time. I just, that, that's enough. And I, and I also think because it's been so long, um, I'm ready now and I've, I haven't earned it in a way, but I'm, I, it's, it's not like it's coming. You've, you've paid your dues. Like it's kind of, yeah. it's, like, it's like being in a band that, you know, played dirty pubs yeah, for exactly. a long time. And now suddenly, you know, suddenly you're an overnight sensation, yeah, but really but no. that overnight has been 13 years in the making. Yes, exactly. And so, um, and then I also happened to get an American agent when I was there. And That's handy. so I, who kind of sub aged with my Australian agent. Um, so that was the best, decision i ever made that that's amazing that's, that's very cool thing. and it's also i think it says a lot about like the you know when you find someone also who just like who firstly shocks you out of your yes i know self uh like self-obsessed uh yeah. like little hermetically sealed bubble and but also yeah. inspired like i mean to have someone like sheila hetty um you know <laughs> teaching you like yeah and she and she is unapologetically herself yeah like she gets she has got, she's very beloved and people adore the way yes. she writes. And she she's also amazing. gets absolutely bagged for being, you know, too um, self-focused or, or whatever. So, and she, but she is just, this is what I do. This is how I think. And what choice do I have, but to yeah. operate like that. And so, yeah. and also just the other writers, I was in a, um, a sort of supplementary workshop in a group and we all had to introduce ourselves and they're all, and the other thing with Americans is that they, they're so, the market is so big and so they're, yeah. they're, everyone was sending out stuff all the time and just like in bulk in a way that was just amazing to me, that, that level of um, commitment to the rejection, you know, the honour of the yeah. rejections yeah. accruing and all that. Um, Must and, be exhausting though. Yeah, but they just, they keep at it and... I had to introduce myself and I said, oh, you know, we, ha we had to talk about our writing background. I sort of mumbled something that I'd had, you know, I'd written a novel. And, um, but I don't really consider myself a writer and, at the moment. And then someone in the class actually just interrupted and said, how can you say that? By saying that, you're insulting not just yourself but everyone else in this room. And I was like, whoa, okay. So that's that's the kind of thing I mean. It was like, right. yeah. Just that's amazing. Just so, own it, lady. Yeah. That was that well, was it. it. It's worked. Um, now, <laughs> yeah. which, which should bring us to 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 the book, to the, the yes. performance. Which, like <laughs> to me, um, I mean, it's it's undeniably an important book that's being made, kind of all the more so by the cultural and kind of historical moment um, mm. in which it's appeared. I think, um, like it, it, it platforms, it, it amplifies, it celebrates um, the women's voice and experience, but also makes it kind of universal, or at least this is my experience of reading it, mm -hmm. um, in its kind of execution and what it has to say. So can you tell us just a bit about the three women at the center, uh, you know, Margot, Ivy and Summer. Okay. So, um, they're all watching a performance of Samuel Beckett's happy days and they're three women in the audience. Margot is the first one that we meet. Um, she's a subscriber to the theatre. She's in her early 70s. She's a university professor. Um, she's very authoritative and successful, um, but she's got various uh, sort of things happening with her husband and her adult son that are, that are 
distressing her and even as she tries to kind of manage her thoughts she she's quite preoccupied by that um then summer is the next one we meet and she's in her early 20s she's working as a usher at the theater so she sort of misses the first bit of the play every time but she's seen it a couple of times um she's uh also a drama student and she is particularly preoccupied this night during this performance because there are bushfires sort of starting well, they've been going for a little while in the surrounding uh mountain hill area outside melbourne and her girlfriend's family home is in that area and she's she's there's all this kind of thwarted communication trying to establish where her girlfriend is and how um in danger she is at this exact moment in time um she's also concerned she's got a heightened awareness of everything that's wrong in the in the contemporary world um more generally and she's got a complex um life story in that her mother is a single mother and is very resistant to telling her about her biological father um that's probably more than i said about margot but and then the third <laughs> the third character is ivy who's sort of the middle one of the generation generation so she's in her early 40s um she's been given free tickets because the theater company wants her money so they give her free stuff um and she is there with her potential patron yeah that's yeah. right <laughs> um and she but she's aware of the kind of paradox of being given things when you're actually really privileged um because she's had a complicated life um sort of of fortune and no fortune and trauma and various things have happened to uh ivy but she's in a pretty good spot at the moment and she's got a youngish child that she's quite besotted with and um yeah so i think that gives you a bit of a sense of the three of them yeah and how like how, how did how did they come come to you like when when in the kind of formative stages of the book yeah um like was it that you had this idea of you know there would be people watching this play or yep. did the kind of characters come to you and then you situated in the play like- no i had the idea of um writing a novel from the point of view of people watching this particular play for a long time and i wanted it to be this really self-contained you know contained both spatially and um time wise uh so that and then um the characters then came after the the sort of macro structure and i started with margot and then i wanted a someone who wasn't just an audience member so i thought on usher is a easy person to get into the space but she can have a more kind of complex story um so that that was the youngest character and then i i think with ivy it was well let's make it a generational you know cross generational and i kind of um she'd existed in a in a different work in a different way and so i kind of put her i oh she's 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 a transplant sort of (laughs) sort of yeah but i mean then she evolved and changed but um yeah. Like, did, did any of them in particular uh, were any of them harder to write than the others? Like, like, did they they take longer to come to you, or 
did they kind of just come oh, fully I don't formed? feel I don't no they see I think um they didn't come fully formed although I had a sort of sense of some core things about them and then so as much as it there's a very kind of tight macro structure in the book within each um I just worked it out structurally before anything yeah. else happened. That being the, the cycling of of chapters through each of their like yeah, three, or that there's three times through each of their view. Yeah, that's right, and it, it's a two act play, and the first act's longer, so I wrote that down. I thought two chapters each, and then there was the interval, and then um, which is written as a play. Yes, that wasn't. <laughs> I didn't know that that I didn't get to that until I got to the interval. So I wrote it in order. So yeah. I'm oh, not. Really? I'm not a kind of shitty first draft kind of writer. I'm, which is probably, I also told myself that was wrong for so long. Like I can't move on until. Yeah, my, I'm the same. Which is, yeah. I'm finding very challenging on the new book. Yeah, really. and I think you just, but but see what it did for me because I had my bigger structure. I was like, okay, this is Margot's chapter, so I started it, and then I had it you know, a sense of which section of the play was going to be covered in this chapter. And then I just went all over the place and I, it was very um, paradoxically freeing to have this constraint, I suppose. That's um, because I, the, the, I think the, 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 the interplay of happy days and, yeah. and the thoughts and, you know, it, it's peppered throughout with, uh, with, with um, bits of dialogue from the play or scene, you know, descriptions of scenes yeah. um, of the play. And it's, I mean, like it, I, I kind of said, I was, I, I, I really like, I admired the, the art in that to yeah, like that. Oh, like that, I think that was a, like that, that struck me as something that was technically very difficult that was done very well like how how was it to actually kind of juggle well, yeah well I kind of once I worked once I broke it like the play script that I was working with is just a mess like it's crazy all the lines and highlights and <laughs> sectional breaks and post-it notes I've got all over it but and then within the chapter whatever the chapter was that I was working on I will have kind I went through and like looked at particular words or phrases or whatever in the in the that bit that I thought might be resonant or interesting. Um, and then I'd start. And if I got off a tangent, like if, if their thoughts became, you know, more extensive, then I'd kind of look up again and where are we at now? And I, I almost had that experience that they're having of like snapping back into it. And then I'd kind of see, well, Oh, how about around here? And then what's that? Was there like was there like a, a like a almost like a, 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 a mnemonic effect? I'll get the word out, but like in reading it, like like you know they like particular. Yeah. You would read a phrase, and that would like trigger a sometimes a conceptual. Sometimes, although, um, and and then other times it was I want to kind of. Other times I chose. Well, I think I initially chose the order of how I was going to do the characters according to a few. Um, like I know I want I wanted Summer to have the stuff that was really explicit about flesh burning. Um, right. So I made her the second one because that's where that was going to fall. Right. Um, but in terms of the amount of the play I actually have in the book, it's really very small proportionally to the whole play. And, you know, if you were to write this novel, Bram, you could and, and, and have the same <laughs> template. Would, yeah. 
I would, I would make an absolute mess pull, of it. You could, but you could pull out completely different imagery right. or themes or, you know, words or moments in the play script and write something completely different. So it's, I mean, it's, it's so much in the play that it, it lends itself to being kind of. I mean, you said you, you said you knew very early on that, that the play they would be watching is, that, is, yeah. is Happy Days by Beckett. Yep. Why that play? Um. There are a couple of reasons. Um, the most, the sort of the boring, the boring answer to that is a technical one in that it's an extremely simple, straightforward but stunning uh, setup. You know, it's just yeah. the whole thing is a woman buried in the earth, in the middle of the stage, under a light, with a bag of stuff and a sort of a man who grunts occasionally, but is not as important. But so it was a very simple uh, thing to describe. So right. there's not much stage business. Like it wouldn't work with a, a more conventional play with yeah, lots right. of scenes yeah. and a big cast or, you know, that would just be hectic. Yeah. Um, but because this is just a she, the woman on stage, the man on stage, like it's very pared back. So there was that just in terms of managing what was happening. I knew that I could write about it without the reader knowing anything about the play, that you can sum it up, um, you know, in a couple of sentences, you get the gist and it essentially that's, it stays that way. Yes. So there was that, but then also which is related, but it's the simplicity of that image of the woman buried. I just think is one of the most um, powerful images in modern theater. And I just, I feel that that, image is just so loaded with yeah I, like it's conveniently yeah. very metaphorical for Absolutely. the book you're writing as well well and, yes but it, and it, it just there's so much in that and so I thought I knew that it was the the the, the way to the playing off that would be fertile right now but to include parts of it I, I I'm imagining you had to deal with the Beckett estate oh yeah yeah um, mm. and was that uh, difficult Not, or I think the Beckett estate's got quite a bad rep. Um, yeah, it does. but it's mainly for productions of, ah. of Beckett. Um, I actually had a couple of lines from Beckett in Fugitive Blue as well, which is funny. Um, <laughs> but so no, they were they were fine. It was a relatively straightforward process. It was tricky, um, just with the different territories and then yeah. translation. I mean. Yeah, getting the rights was one of the most. So you had to get international rights, I assume. Yes, usage, but but no, there was kind of rights. like separate people hold. I oh know I can't even remember, but I think there were separate rights for the US and the UK. Right. And then one of my epigraphs was a really troublesome to getting for, for the rights as well, in a way that was quite surprising. But I was determined to have it. It's a quote from Hilton Ells, and I loved it. And um, so yeah, that. That stuff was um, extremely protracted and tedious. Um, and I did think at one point, oh, God, I just must remember to write a book that doesn't <laughs> quote other I literature. Mean, but it's like, yeah, probably that's never going to happen. In fact, I feel like what I'm working on now is just even more. Even worse. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> but but like, so, did, you have a, did you have a plan B? Like what would have happened if they'd said no? Oh, no, I did not have a plan B. Absolutely not. I would have, uh, no, no, there was some sort of point, oh, well, you could just paraphrase it or cut it back. And I was like, no. Because it, it really does. I think it, it, it actually, 
hinges on that interplay. Um, oh God, totally. I, mean, I still think there there was yeah there could have been a, a very good book with allusions to, but oh, like, but I think, yeah. but but it's this is what brought it the to the language, level it's at. Yes, the language and the kind of the echoes of the language occasionally and all that stuff. No, I love and that that was so important to the way it kind of functions as yeah. a piece of writing. Yes. Um, but no, I really was. Uh, that, but no, the Beckett estate was absolutely um, supportive. And are you are you like are you Robinson Crusoe in uh, in having Beckett excerpts in a I, novel? Oh, because I, I I can't think of any that that like that that, that I'm sure use I'm it. sure I'm sure there I'm sure there is the well as you said <laughs> fugitive blue did yeah but but, uh, but, no, not, but like I'm talking about like that actually hinges it around a um like mm. like excerpt it's funny that you should say that it's it doesn't have as much as the reader thinks it has you yeah know I mean? because like I, having read it i actually felt that i'd read a fair portion of the play or that you'd watch the play great. too well, exactly right yeah, yeah and so you know and look you know i'm a i'm a beckett fanboy so i'm, I'm going to enjoy that right yeah. um and but like but there's now a that you lot it, of it, language in that play i mean it's yeah. extremely dense and yes. um I mean, the script is just incredibly dense and there's a lot of repetition, but I... It's Beckett. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, it isn't... Um, it's absolutely would not have worked if I hadn't have got the rights for, to, to use, to quote the play, though. That would have... I can't even imagine that would have been just a... Uh, in actual fact, those... We kind of got... Um, approval from Beckett before my agent sent it to publishers because she was like, this will just be um, a real thing. So we kind of had that all in place that we could say, we've sorted this out. So don't worry about that. Um, that's right. Yeah, I yeah that would that, be. But, I think if you're a, a publisher looking at it, but you would probably sit there right. going, "Oh, you know, yeah. that reputation. Can yes. we take this on?" Yes. You know? So that was we, we. That's right. We we kind of um, solved that problem before we had to inflict it on anyone else. <laughs> other people. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Now, one of the other uh, like framing devices, I suppose, that you alluded to earlier was the bushfires that yeah. are, are raging in 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 the background. And mm-hmm. reading it, I kind of took it to have taken place in 2009 like during black saturday you know even if it's not actually there yeah. it's, that that's the where particularly if you're a victorian reader mm. your mind will, will will wander um mm. now this obviously brought to mind uh you know questions of climate change which is something that's an interesting thing for this uh book to tackle uh yep. as a in the background so it's like this it's got a very interesting kind of um uh i don't know texturally almost um uh the way you experience climate change um i mean how how did you go about Mm. navigating that aspect of the book um to be able to obviously given this book comments on so many major um issues of you know the present Mm. um you know this was this was kind of a, a to me it's not it's not it's not the the odd one out but it's the one that kind of wasn't you know i wouldn't have like expected it there do you know what i mean like it's it's oh really yeah yeah, okay that's interesting um Um, well i think a couple of things uh that i wrote it 
before that 2019 fires. Really? So I actually felt horrified with that and I thought I don't want this to be seen as like some opportunistic like the first novel from you know this yeah whatever so that was I wanted it to be a kind of non-specific fire event and as you say so it alluded to a greater issue around the climate crisis and I have taught um, for many years, I taught a subject around um, literature and ecology and catastrophe. And I felt that that stuff was just hovering over everything. And I absolutely wanted it there. But I am i didn't want to kind of write a what if yeah, book. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't have. I mean, it, it's, really, it, it's, it's really like a, a what is book. Yes, and so I wanted to kind of go, right, well, let's not go what if. It's like this is now. Mm. So, yes, we've removed these people and we are in a little bubble of privilege in this theatre and so that that's a kind of obvious echo. You know, there's a, there's a distance from the reality of the world burning. Yeah. But there's an awareness of that distance and there's different ways that they're grappling with it. So I thought I have to deal with this stuff and I, and I thought I'd deal with it by kind of embodying it in three different people and kind of trying to consider how people are dealing with that now because it is happening now and I wanted there to be a sense of immediacy, a sense of real time. So that was absolutely fundamental to the whole thing. And I also felt, um, and this is not something that I was I had originally thought of in terms of this play when I first saw it many years ago and kind of this idea lodged in my mind. But when I started really reading it properly, to me it just seemed like a parable for yeah, absolutely. the contemporary moment, even though it was 60 years old. Yes. And and I just thought, oh, my God. And I kind of, so my production of it, you know, how I stage it in the book is that stuff is heightened and, um that's not necessarily how it would be staged, but I, you know, there's there's stuff about um, garbage disposal yeah, that's yeah. really explicit, and there's a mention at some point um, that it's an eco-feminist production of of, right, yeah. of the play. So it's got all those. It's got that sort of sensibility. So it's um, and just the the burning sun. Um, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. That that is the kind of big stage direction. Yeah. And mm. um, now, at the heart of, of the book lies, uh, like I felt, like a very important, uh, dare I say, like philosophical question, a larger question mm-hmm. um, about what it means to live an authentic life. Um, for each of these mm-hmm. women, performance. Uh, with you know a small p uh seems to be a major aspect uh of the way they Mm. live their lives so i mean to what extent is life inherently performative as opposed to authentic i would dispute that that kind of oppositional terminology i don't think that um there is some sort of paradigm of authenticity that and then there and then there's performativity. I think that um well performance can be authentic too, I suppose. Like yeah, I mean yeah, I think authentic absolutely. is just one of yeah, these sorry, words. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm not I'm I'm just yeah. I so I, I suppose I think that obviously it's called the performance. So you 
everything that's vaguely uh, performative is is kind of is clear in the book. But I think that um, I was very interested in in kind of considering the way that manifests and even where you think you are most authentic. I'm doing mm. quote marks Yeah, yeah as I say, this um, works well in, in audio only. Yeah. Great podcast <laughs> technique there. Um, but, you know, in your own mind, in your yes. own thoughts, they can be as distorted and as kind of um, delusional as the masks you wear in public. Ab- so, absolutely. And right. that's what I was kind of... And I so found he, that reading it, like I really, I was second guessing myself a lot, actually. It, it, it caused me to really think about kind of the way I engage with the world, the way I present to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was a really uh, kind of interesting reading experience, a challenging reading experience, I think. Um, to I like consider, that. Well, you know, you'd like, well, you'd like, I like to be challenged by a book. And I, and I like <laughs> that this made me kind of go, wow, like, you know. Um, well, what, the- where are you? genuine and where are you not and I think sometimes the sites where where people think they are most real that I was kind of playing with that and so then with the um uh with the the interval being a play script where we've been so in the heads and then we flipped around and we're watching them yes that actually more real does it seem more real in some way to be watching these people like saying their lines and moving through space. Even though they're actually like, and now I'm doing the, 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 the inverted commas again. Now. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're performing. Actors. Yeah, so, but is, does that seem more real to the reader or does it seem, you know, that's, that's where is cool. the site of performativity and where is the site of authenticity? And the, I think I didn't, I wanted that to be all blurred and. But you do, you do hmm. explore um, performance in, I don't know what we'd call it like set roles as well. So, so yes, like yes. motherhood is a, is a, is is a, a class is one that um, and I'm thinking like as um, like Ivy particularly yes. like, you know as a as an older mother. Yep. Um And I, I I love the scenes where you know she's at the the or there's you know reference to the, to her being at these you know mothers group mothers group and yep. like just like with all these you know super young mums and just feeling like what a load of crap this is basically. Yeah. Um. And also, yeah. (laughs) Well, I think it's interesting. This idea of motherhood being a role, I also reject that because I think that it is so. But there is an expectation of a role. Like there's a difference to it being actually a role and this societal kind of concept of a role. Yes. Yes. There's there's certain parameters in which um, expectations exist. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 there's a big kind of range of mothering and being mothered in the book so i would yes. i didn't so there's i yeah, Mar- margot's kids as well yeah like, yeah and then um and then right, summer's yeah. very got a very problematic relationship with her mother mother yes and then the way her mother can only deal with a very limited part of her her daughter even though she's devoted to her she's really quite um narrow in what she can uh, allow her daughter to be. Um, and But then, yes. So, and then Ivy's got a pretty positive, joyful yes. mothering time. But, but I think, um, I suppose when I, when I say I don't like the idea of it as a role, I feel like it's so, it can't be isolated 
from the rest of the personhood of no. the of of the, the of the mother. But it's like and almost like there there are there are like performative sub roles within each yes. person, right? And like yes. the, the other one that I thought really um, I found incredibly powerful, uh, possibly for me the most powerful thing in the book was um, Margot as wife, um, huh. and. Yep. You know, she is someone who puts on a, a you know, a particular well performance for one of a, that everything is okay that she's living, you know, that she's living this uh, lovely existence. But in reality, her husband, who has been a, a, you know, from as far as I can, you know, tell, you know, a very loving and 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 great partner all his life, now has dementia and has begun to hit her, mm. right? And she now has to hide that because she she can't. But mm. it seemed to me that she couldn't, um, I suppose, face the, uh, you know, breaking the role, if it were, you know, but of, it's also, of, that has yes. been projected. And yes. also what that would then suggest about him. She doesn't want to, no. um, you know, kind of destroy the way he's thought about. Also, um, but I think even more than that, I, I'm not sure if she's worried about, I think it's more for her this has been a, um a singular relationship, an extremely um, positive relationship, mm. and she doesn't. She's she's coming to terms with how much this recent change in the relationship negates the mm. rest of it, and the longevity they've been together for over forty years. And she's try, she, you know, there's one point um, where she's like, "Has he always wanted to do this? Is this just an yeah. excuse?" And that's. There's yeah. that side it's of it. It's heartbreaking. Like, it's like, it's really like, you know, and there's this like this fundamental, um, you know, like break in. Her, I, her yeah. idea of herself and yes. her idea of her relationship and what this marriage means and what this marriage um, is. And I wanted it to be, have always been a very physical relationship as well. I sort of emphasise that they're, you know, they've got a strong physical connection. So this yeah. is a particularly you know so yeah and i think that that comes back to this idea of um the reality and what's true and what's and and how she's working through it and wh- and mm. she's wondering whether if she needs to get it out of her head and actually externalize it yes and have someone else tell her what it is because she can't work it out she can't really um reconcile it and um, like in, in terms of the the kind of the, this expectation of role, um, yeah, is it like it struck me also as uh, like I don't know, it's something like this this expectation of a particular performance of a particular role is something kind of ex- ex- exacerbated by um, kind of gendered uh, yes. um, views, and and it's interesting because I read this um, right at the height of the Christian Porter, yeah. Um, uh, issue and also and the Brittany Higgins um yeah and I was struck by the role that um kind of women were f- forced to play in that um often that kind of expectation of silence but also kind of the casting of women into types for Absolutely. Um, the yeah. purpose of mostly discrediting their experience yes um and and then when they this, subvert it the yeah. narrative is ignored right yeah and whereas men on the other hand you know I, I just think of like that that awful press conference that Christian oh did right and the thing is that like there's there's, yeah. there's there's this equal and opposite expectation that that should be accepted and yes. that that role is is properly played yeah. um and and also that it will be believed 
Yeah. Um, and, and I find that, 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 that this book, uh, the performance really kind of challenges those, those ideas. And I was wondering like, um, you know, to what extent, um, you know, your, you know, your writing of it or mm. your, your experience from it um, kind of talks to that, those sort of ideas. Oh, look, absolutely. And yes, while this stuff was becoming, you know, coming to a head in the particular arena and that happened to be Parliament House. Um, so it's, 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 it's got a, a kind of inflection that is um, quite profound to the kind of the culture. It's constant, yeah. this stuff, this dynamic is just constant every day in every place. That is an experience that women have. That that um, that their 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 reality is negated or sublimated, and um, you know the further away you are from the white man, the more uh, that gets um, undermined and distorted. Uh, so this is you know I'm not going to go sort of intersectionality 101, but obviously yeah. um, you know the way that a privilege, and I think perhaps. Um, this stuff in Parliament is notable. You know, these are privileged white women yeah. and they yeah. get treated like yeah. absolute shit and they get, and they're, they're ostensibly got relative power. So think about that properly and what that means for, for, for other, you know, people with less privilege, whether it is in terms of class or racial privilege or, um, any kinds. I mean, and I was gonna. I was actually gonna ask about the, the intersectional aspect because yeah. I know summer, summer very much uh, kind of embodies that uh, in, in this yeah. book. That, that, that it's, um, you know, I, I, I felt that she, uh, like that, that really, like that really struck me with her. It, it was, it was actually, it was a very strange experience to read this book as that was happening. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and I was thinking about that about the the, but, the disempowerment of, uh, you know, the more the, the powerful. Yeah, well, or the well, more the more kind of um, the the more intersectional um, yeah. aspects of your identity, the less the, the more you're disempowered. Yes, but I think and what that shouldn't. Or sorry, at least by by the by existing structures of power. Yeah, absolutely. But I and I think that I think there's a lot of frustration among. Um, I mean, I don't want to speak for people, but I think yeah. that it, it's not. It shouldn't be a shock. And anyone who's got their eyes open should see that that stuff is rife. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure what else to say about that. I mean, I suppose the thing with um, Summer that I, I wanted to really grapple with was um, just, and from her mother's point of view, so her mother's a nice nice kind of probably left-leaning woman who she's a probably quite like a, quite a nice white feminist who takes her daughter to rallies but yeah. her daughter's got brown skin and her mother's colorblind and it's does not work yeah. her worldview does not work and she I kind of wanted her to be a, a bit of a embodiment of white Australia's just refusal to acknowledge and see and cherish the indigenous and you know 
aspect of this country. And, and that was an important thing for me to have in there. But I didn't yeah. want, I, yeah. Uh, I think it's, you know, and it, 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 it comes through very well. I think it, you know, gives a lot of kind of pause for thought, uh, like in reading it. Is there, is there a tipping point though? Like, like which, because I was struck by you, you included the scene from Happy Days where um, Willie's picking his nose. Yes. And that's what, and that's where she's like, no, that's enough. That's where I draw the line, sort of thing, yeah. right? Like, that, so, sorry, no, no. Um, so yeah, so is like, is, is there is there a point at which we don't accept, you know, the way people present themselves? Oh, I think that we almost never present the. I mean, we almost never accept it, really. I mean within our own heads i think that that i mean i can tell maybe you're just inherently like super skeptical (laughs) oh well i mean (laughs) in terms of men i can spot a i I mean i i've got a good radar and i mean none of these people that have been outed are a surprise i mean and, and you know so um i'm trying to link this back to snot (laughs) <laughs> oh, I'm, 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 you, are you saying that had that sort of debased? Well, I mean, well, yeah, there was just like you know, like I mean, Willie goes through well, the play being kind of constantly, this, yes, right, yes. and but like that in itself should should arguably be enough for for her to to say, no, nah, yeah, I'm not taking this, right? What, what's but, she going to do? She's stuck. She's stuck in a mound, and she doesn't take it. She's created a world for herself where he, you know can come in but she she has got systems in place she's enduring she's um anyway this that's a that's a sort of separate analysis of the the play and i want to keep that a bit open but um yeah. oh he's certainly not a vision of uh, male power <laughs> of course not no. but then i mean that's but he's something there's something weirdly like likable about him uh, like oh. i like i like the like, yeah this is like my, my daughter is always like she's all about the villains and I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of that. I'm that well, guy. I think the yeah. thing with him is it's not clear whether he's deliberately. Um, I think he's just hopeless. refusing, or or he's just inept. Yeah. But then, yeah. But like the the, the one thing that actually breaks it is when, when he does that. Thing, you know, he does the thing that uh, you know is just like disgusting to it. Like even though quite a lot of other other stuff he's done is pretty, you know, rotten as well. Mm. Um. What about uh, writing as performance? Like this is this is the thing. Like, do you think the nature of 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 what you know what we do now is mm. has, has changed like is this like i don't know is, there's an expect it's funny that i should ask you this in an interview but like yeah, you know, yeah. this expectation of an author to perform yeah i mean i don't, i think the writing you uh, the actual writing i definitely don't feel like that i think that would be strange i mean i know some people kind of dress up in in their writing gear or something and put on you know to kind of get themselves into the role yeah that's right that sort of thing um but yes the kind of post but but that's not writing that's publishing and so i think that if you um yeah there's definitely an expectation but but you sort of have to buy in don't you yeah i mean yes because there was an agent just said on uh, on uh, on Twitter the other day that, that that he doesn't know what to do with. He's got this new author who just said, yeah. "I'm not doing any public stuff." 
<laughs> you know, yeah. that's, I'm just not doing it. And how do you sell that to publishers going, you know, my author, you know, great book has no interest in doing any publicity. I think that that there could be some scope for discussion with that person to find some aspect that they're comfortable with. I mean, I think that the social media stuff for a lot of writers who sit in their room on their own is actually more comfortable than fronting up to bookstores sometimes. I mean, I don't, I won't speak on for, for writers, but for me, I'm, I'm comfortable uh, with public speaking. uh, And so I'm, I'm okay with that, but I um, have a lot of anxiety about how to, how to do social media right and like because i get too involved but because 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 reading and writing like like you know the the interaction between writers readers and critics as well for that matter it's mm. now it's now a conversation it's no longer you know it's a, and, yeah and, and um like like how do you navigate the kind of that aspect of of communicating with all the various parties in the kind of yeah i don't know the greater reading experience i Oh, I don't know. I'm working it out as I go along. I think that. Um, Do you read Goodreads? Uh, uh, yes. No, no. But I've, but I've, but I, but I haven't been bothered by it because the one star reviews are so funny. It's like, yeah. there's something like I think this just went over my head. It's like, yeah, probably. Next, um, you know, it, it doesn't. It's fine. It's more the. Um, the middling ones, which really yes, the critical there. reviews that actually you, you kind of get the sense they actually got. Oh the book, no, no, but not they, even critical, like, but just like, oh, that was a nice quick read. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, I don't know, whatever. Um, years of my life, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, I think that's fine. But yeah, that is weird. That that whole thing. Um, of course, I read it, but I definitely don't engage with it, and I don't do that myself. So I'm not a. My reading is my absolute like breathing to me but I don't yeah. I'm not very public with my reading and I know that you and a lot of other writers <laughs> are. Yes. I'm not I I and I feel that's tricky uh because you want to reciprocate but yeah it, that's a bit kind of mm, yeah but it's got to be it's got to be authentic like if, yes. pardon the pardon the like to bring it around to authenticity yeah. bit, like, oh sorry it's got to be genuine that's a yes. that's probably a better and, way of putting it and, and if I'm you're forcing it like reading every new book that comes out by any means. And I'm kind of yeah. get stuck in these weird little obscure reading stages that yeah. for me are germative, you know, germinating something new or whatever it is. Um, so that's tricky that I'm not, a, I'm very private um, reader. And in terms of like the, the engaging, I, I sort of, like, like we said, I think when we were recording, I don't think this was before we started, when I was talking about the bookstagrammers and the, yeah, yeah. their, their um, level of enthusiasm is is amazing and the kind of posting and then the reposting and then the posting and by the end of it in the Instagram story, it's just this tiny little picture that four people have reposted. And it's like, oh, my God, this it's just this <laughs> cycle of reaffirmation, which is fascinating. Do you feel there's an expectation that you then become them. part of it? Yeah, yeah. so I'm... Um, would they tag me? So I've deliberately made the choice to have a public Instagram account because I'm, that's fine. I can, I'm comfortable with that. I, and as you know, I'm, I, I don't do Twitter really. Like I don't, yeah. I never have. I just, 
I kind You're of sort of there. I hover just, and yeah. then I self-promote, which is probably yeah. the worst. I, I mean, I just like retweet something my publisher does, which is probably a terrible thing, and people <laughs> probably go shut up. But um, but Instagram, I'm kind of comfortable, more comfortable with, and I've just sort of decided, yeah, some sort of acknowledgement, but not. I, I'm not engaging. Yeah, right. And I, you know, when you get tagged, I, there was this. Um, read along where a whole lot of bookstagrammers were reading my book at the same time and they had little cue cards and they were answering questions and that was incredible and I was tagged the whole time and some of them hated the book so that was like oh you know like I like you know where's the plot and I was oh, oh no uh-oh and yeah. there, was, there was no murder I didn't have to solve this yeah um so and you kind of yeah you want to <laughs> it is hard like it it, Mm. yeah and this is the problem you can't I think you just you have to let those ones go you just let it go but and and be yeah there's a lot of layers I mean we we could talk forever there's a lot of layers yeah um about that are the quite that are quite strange with the publishing process the whole getting endorsements from other writers yeah that's the weird that is actually the weirdest that is you know who you know who cares about that only 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 the writers like no no no, no, I don't even think the writers do I think I've had this conversation. I think the pup. I think you don't care. You don't care if you get a, an, an endorsement. Mm-mm. See that that to me, like I have to say, the endorsement period for me was the hardest because it's awful. There was one particular writer who I hugely admired who who declined to review yep. the book, and yep. uh, now I can't like uh, I can't read his book. No, 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 it's, no, no. it's fine. But like, yeah, it, it, it was. No, it, no. It's kind of because you want you want people who you admire to like like you or or at least engage well, with your book. Okay, after it's been published, yes. But at this sort of pre-publication, like getting people to say nice things. And then I was sort of dealing with that in three different territories. Um, That's difficult. And the public, I think, and as a reader, I'm almost never swayed by no me neither in fact and so and i've had this conversation with the publisher now claire you're not a normal reader i'm like okay <laughs> see i i actually i think you you actually are i think i think yeah. that publishers over overestimate the the, the influence of a of, of a of a quote because it's funny this author who declined to yeah um uh puff my book yeah. um i have never liked a book he puffed so in some ways oh, i should probably be like i should probably be like i'm relieved he didn't puff it but right. I just want I just wanted the I just wanted the 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 I don't know the the kudos of this particular author who has a you know is a, a one would call a significant author. Yeah, you know, right. Whose, well, whose work I hugely admire. That's right? well, that's yes, absolutely. That was a bit heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. And you you like the idea of um you and know, I've met him several times. the engagement. Yes. the engagement. It's very awkward. I met him when my publisher said to introduce us and said, Oh, you 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 actually you read Bram's book. And I'm oh, just no, like, no, please no. don't say that. No. Because now we have this awkward moment of going, oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you hated it. But yeah. um, now, uh, just to wrap, because we, 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 I think we've gone crazily over time, oh, but, really? uh, which yeah. is fantastic. But uh, I just two two questions. Oh, actually, one. Yep. What's been your favorite response to the book so far? Like your favorite engagement with it, perhaps oh, even. Because there's been some really cool stuff. I um. Well, I've got a car. Can I answer that? And two, I've got two answers for that. Very good. Um, Riverhead, my US publisher, uh, commissioned this small dance piece uh, as promotion for the novel. And I had no idea they were doing it. Oh, you didn't know? I had no idea. That's so cool. 
and I just got this email saying, oh, Claire, this is this thing we've done. And it, it's literally 90 seconds, but it's these three dancers. They're all affiliated with the New York City Ballet. Um, it's shot outside Columbia University, outside the Lincoln Centre. Um, so there's three dancers. They're representing the three characters. It's beautifully shot. The yeah, dancers are incredible. And then they kind of hold the book up at the end. And I couldn't. That was that surpassed. I mean, I thought Riverhead embossing my initials in the hardback. That was <laughs> that was also a big moment. But this was just for me because I was a dancer as a kid. Like I left school after year nine to study oh, wow. dance full time. And that didn't happen. And yeah. then this thing, it was just this kind of beautiful it's okay. Everything that's not worked out in my life has come together and oh, yeah. starting to make sense. That's amazing. So that was, that was so beautiful. Cool. Um, and it is a great piece. Like I, I reckon anyone listening yes. should check it out because it's, it's pretty. And it's basically it's, for TikTok. Yeah. Seriously. And yeah. I was just amazed. And it was also incredible because these dancers haven't hadn't been working. all the Yes. I, was, so, they're, they're, I mean, they're still in pandemic world or just absolutely. coming out of pandemic world. And then now this was the first of what is going to be an ongoing um like relationship between Riverhead Publishers and Tom Gold Dance, which is the That's group awesome. that did it. And I was, you know, it's just some kind of crazy dream. Um, the other things that I love are when someone tells me that um, someone they know, oh, I'm trying to think of a really good singular example, but sort of when someone text, sends me a text saying, oh, a woman at work I know was just going on about this book that she'd read and um, how much she loved it. And then I interrupted her and told her that I knew the author and, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. Cause it's like, that feels like something that feels yeah. like, like, like if word of mouth. Know, yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's just, it's just it's different to people, you, your friends telling you how much they love yeah. it or, or people who so you that, know through the industry tell you how much they love it. Yeah. That's just someone who happens to be telling some other person who happens to know me. So it's kind yeah. of, that's very cool. Um, that sort of stuff made me think, yeah, okay. I think. I dare say that things are going all right. I don't know. Like I, I follow the, uh, the you know, the, the ABC Book Club uh, Facebook page. Okay. Uh, I engage with that quite a lot, and uh, it's getting a lot of love there as well. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Look, you know, it's getting oh, okay. love. You know, it's getting love everywhere. Well, I'm, I'm stuck. <laughs> I'm just in Instagram, and um, you know. I don't know. Yeah, so it's hard. It's hard to know, but that's that is. I think look, nice you know, to hear. You, you you would have to be uh, very justifiably proud of of how it's gone, and you know the book itself. So congratulations on it all. And Thank you. Uh, you know, I I'm sure those who haven't read it will now be rushing out to to read it because they <laughs> absolutely should because it's amazing. And also, uh, you know, I think you'll we'll be hearing a lot more about this book, uh, you know, over the coming, hmm. uh, you know, dare I say, award seasons and what have you. Don't you love being built up like that? Uh, mm. But you I'm know, quite I'm, I'm comfortable with that, Bram. Good. Well, you know, you 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 you, you set you set <laughs> a high standard. You set a high standard with the with the, with the debut, so now you got to top that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, oh <laughs> but, dear. Uh, look, I mean, it's it, it is a book that will 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 stay, and uh, and you know, we'll be keep getting more and more attention so congratulations and thanks for joining us on words and nerds thank you for having me performance uh go out and get it uh you will absolutely love it